2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We are going to talk about something that people don't talk about, but we got to talk about it. It's good to know that Jesus loves us and we are in his presence. Amen. Good to my friends back from Jamaica. We miss them. We love them. And I hope they brought back some IQ for me and Saltfish. Otherwise, there's a door. Don't even walk through that door. Walk back out. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Good to see you. Amen. We're going to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Folks, don't lose what you have, whatever God gave you, what you're doing. Amen. Do it as unto the Lord. Amen. You've made a, an earmark for their camp meeting. They just want you to, to do what you're doing because you're a role model. Thank you, church. You're lifting up Jesus. I see you're lifting up Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let no man deceive you by any means. Notice, folks. By any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. This is Christ's second coming. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. I want to talk to you about the man of sin. Lord, bless us, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to predict in the next two, three months, Brother Kelp going to play like Jimmy Swagger. Those keys... He's going to have a special visit from the Lord. going to touch your fingers and stress those fingers. And you're going to have a keyboard. You're going to get anointed. Hallelujah. Almost as good as me. <laughs> All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Now, the word, that's three of the words, sin. Sin is not preached or talked about. I don't know how you pray, but I ask God two things about church. God, keep sin out of my pulpit and keep sin out of off the pews. The only time sin is allowed in this church is when a visitor walks through that door. I want a whole bunch of them walk in here, amen, full of sin. But when they leave, they'll be cleansed by the Lord. I want God to cleanse them. Amen. And you should pray that God keep my house clean of sin. It's one thing to have pollution, but to have pollution of the soul is worse. Amen. I don't mind failing exam and trigonometry and science and technology, but I cannot fail the grace of God. I'm not prepared to go to hell. Now, some folks said, I'm not afraid. I am deadly afraid. If Satan tremble, my friend, I just more than tremble. <laughs> All right. Now, in, in 1 Timothy 5.22, Paul told Timothy that he should lay hands suddenly on no man. You're going to see why. He says, and be partaker of no man's sin. No man's sin. And then this is shocking scripture. 1 John 3.8 says, he that committeth sin is of the devil. I don't want to be a devil. Don't ever call your kids a devil. Don't call anybody a devil. You don't want anybody to be a devil. All right? All right? Romans 6, 6 says that Christian should not serve sin. In other words, don't be a servant to it. I mean, it's a master over you. 
verse 7 says, we have been freed from sin. I found out that it's possible to be addicted to sin. Psychologists and psychiatrists is trying to understand addiction. They try every kind of a experiments and they write books and I still don't find anybody who know what addiction really is. But really addiction is when your body begins to feed on that horrible thing that you're addicted to. You gotta have it. Compulsive excessive. It could be food. I'm not gonna waste time tonight and name all the things that can be sinful. You know you don't even need me to tell you that. You know what they are. We're all born in sin, right? And we know the first Adam was sinful, and he brought sin into the world. When he left the Garden of Eden, he left with sin and brought sin in the world. And the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15 says, the last Adam is taking sin out of our life. Not out of the world, but out of our life, right? And I believe every Christian has to nature until Jesus comes. We are partakers of the divine nature of Jesus Christ, but we still have that old Adamic nature. And there are times when we struggle. We struggle. The struggle is like Esau and Jacob in the one womb, and there's something like two persons in us. And we're not split personality. We're not freaks and whatever, but we've got two nature in us. The nature that's carnal and the nature that's spiritual. The one we feed will lead and control us. The old man is that which go back to the first Adam, and the new man is that which after Jesus Christ. And the elder shall serve the younger, mean the old man must serve the new man. But it doesn't always happen that way. Now, kids learn to tell lies without you telling them how to tell a lie. They automatically do it without you saying, this is what you do. They're going to lie about what they just touched, what they just did, because they were born in sin and were shaped in rebellion. So it's natural for us to do those things. And so God wants us to know what sin is, gave us his law, and the first law was written upon tablets of stones. Obviously, God spoke it first, and then he wrote it on stone so he can see it. So first we heard it, and then he put it on where you can see it and read it. But none of those work. So God put it in your heart where it's, you can feel it, right? You can see it, hear it, and feel it. And so God put it in your heart if you really are a Christian. Now, you notice in the epistle, Epistles are not for sinners, it's for Christians. And always start like this, grace, mercy, and truth. Mercy means God stopped the penalty deserving to me. I commit the crime and didn't serve the time. Grace means I found favor without meriting it. And sacrifice that Jesus Christ did on the cross is supposed to purge my sins. Jesus calls Savior because he's the only name that can save us. 
to redeem us from the curse of the law. It's his blood that ransom us or pay a ransom fine or redeem us or justify us from sin. Now, in your Bible, Genesis is about creation, Exodus is about Israel leaving Egypt, a place like into the world. But Leviticus is the only book that spent more time telling us how to purge sin. The book of Leviticus is a book that tells us how to purge sin. Obviously, those were object lessons that God used for Israel. And if you turn there very quickly, you find Leviticus chapter 1. It's about the burnt offering. It has nothing to do with sin. It's about fellowship with God. Then there's chapter 2. It's about the meat offering. It has to do with fellowship with God. And chapter 3 is about peace offering with God. But the last two, chapter 4 and 5, it's called a sin offering. In chapter 4 and verse 1, I'm talking to you as Christians, uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, well, there's a sin offering for the children of Israel, the nation. Verse 3, when the priest sin, or the pastor sin, or the bishop sin, or the leadership sin, there's a sacrifice for that sin. Verse 13, if the congregation, we all, collectively sin, verse 13, God had a sacrifice and a provision for that. In verse 22, if the ruler in the monarchical system of Israel sin, or the, 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 the elders or the leaders or the, whatever they are, captain of the host, if they sin, they're a ruler, in verse 22, God specified what sacrifice he wanted. And then verse 27, chapter 4, if an individual sin, so you can see in verse 27, chapter 4, God talked about the individual sins, the sins of the rulers in verse 22. He talked about the sins of the congregation, verse 13, the sins of the pastoral leadership, the priests, verse 3, and the sins of the nation in verse 1. You can't say you have no sin. If you have no sin, then you're a liar or you make God a liar. If we say we have no sin, say you're a liar or we make God a liar. But I said we've all sinned. <clears throat> and then we have the law that govern the purging of those sins. How God deal with those sins. Now, I want to talk to you from my chart a little bit here. In 1972, before I came to God, I was in the world, and I was an addict to cigarettes. Didn't know it, but I did. I started early smoking. My parents didn't know it. No one knew I had smoked. Didn't smoke at home. I'd wipe it off before I go home. But when I come of age... I I wanted to quit. I couldn't do it. I couldn't quit. When I wanted to quit, I found out I'm an addict. I got addiction to nicotine. I did things that did not tell me those were acts of addiction until I tried to quit. Then I found out, oh, I have an addiction here. And I 
could not get rid of it on my own. I didn't know about Nicorette and all that stuff. But I remember that an evangelist came to preach for the pastor. And I remember picking up the Bible and closing it and said, Tonight, a bound person need to be free. They want to serve God, but they got a problem. Be free. And I was prayed for that night. And I received the Holy Ghost that same night and never smoked since that time. No withdrawal. It just went. God took that from me. That's not that easy for everybody, but I did struggle for a while. And that struggle taught me that I was not my own. I was a slave and a servant to a habit I had no control over. I started out simple, but then it controls me. And I was no longer in control. I was being controlled by it. But talk about mankind. Mankind is and mankind is not. Because, you know, animals, we're talking about animals' addiction because they don't have, uh, they have instinct. They're not what we have uh, ability to, to make decisions. But mankind is created, is not predestined. Mankind has free will. They're not programmed. Mankind has conscience, right? And mankind is not without affection. Mankind is rational responsible or responsive, accountable, and free of moral agent and able to think and imagine. Therefore, they can be judged and held accountable for whatever they do or live or practice. It's important you get this because you can become a man of sin or a woman of sin or servant of sin. You're going to find it's dangerous if you don't realize that the same God who feed us and give us sunshine said no sin shall enter in. So you understand this. Mankind is not predestined. Nobody in the church or born is predestined to do wrong or programmed to live evil or is without God-given affection. We're all made in the image of God with the attributes of God and every person on earth has knowledge of good and evil. Nobody is without knowledge of good and evil. Now we just we use mental problems to excuse people. That may work with man, but not with God. He has to give an account of himself. Animals don't give account of themselves, but we give an account of ourselves. And a lot of people will be surprised when they find out there's a judge who will judge the earth based on his laws. Not a Supreme Court, not any courts at all, but his law. All right? All right, so without... We are, man is not without choices. We all have choices. You chose to come to church tonight. You could have chose not to come. You could choose to, to pay tithes, not to pay tithes. You can choose to, to commit crime or not to commit crime. You choose to do what you're doing. You are responsible for what you've done, what you live, and what you say. Now, I know you guys say that the devil let me do it, and I prove to you the devil can't make you do nothing. Satan does not have that power, that authority. He's powerless. What you're doing is what you have done from your heart. Now, what is man? A man is body, soul, and spirit. We got five senses. We probe the world. You know, uh, we uh, we have our five senses that tell us. Tell the soul and the spirit what goes on in the world around us. 
Our soul deals with our affection. And our spirit is where our conscience is. Some sins are with, with the body, and some is without the body. And we're not tripart, but we are body, soul, and spirit. You see the visible me, but the real me you don't see. That's why God's word is quick and powerful. He's a discerner of the thought and the intent, right? And separate the joint and the marrow, etc. God's word can make that finite division between us and figure out what's going on where, Okay? So the soul that sinned shall die. The flesh and blood of the body cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And the spirit must be converted. That's what God converts. You're not converting your body. You're converting your, your spirit, which affects your soul. Now, your blood is what makes your body lives, And your spirit is what makes your soul live. When you die... Does mean you cease to exist in the body? You're gone. We're not on oblivion. Your soul lives on somewhere because that spirit will have to go back to God who gave it. and going to put you in heaven or hell based on what you live down here. Some people's sins go before to judgment. That's why we have altar call. And some people's sins follow them to judgment. People in the grave here, they're not just laying there idle. Their sins follow them. Or their sins were sent before the judgment. All right? So the spirit is a decision maker. Your body, amen, is where the actions are actually carried out. And your soul is what sinneth. The soul that sinneth shall what? Die. And I don't mean this in the ground. I mean the second death. You burn forever in hell in the lake of fire. Now, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth shall die. I'm not making this up. The Bible says that. All right? Let's define sin. Sin, the Bible says, is the transgression of the law of God. Not man. God. So sin is being committed when there is yielding. When there is the intent to carry out the act, when there is the practicing of that act or that thought, or it's an act, visible or invisible, this is what sin is when you yield. Here's what sin is not. Sin is not temptation. Sin is not the thoughts. Sin is not the imagination. But these are the areas through which Sin advertise. Sin advertise itself. Now, whether the government or you accept that in fact, it is irrelevant. The great white throne judgment, God's not going to argue with you or anybody. He's going to judge you for your yielding, your intention, your practice, and your action. Here's a way of calling it back and show it to you that you did do those things. All right? Thoughts to sin comes from whom? Satan. 
I put it this way. Satan laying the eggs for you to sin. There are 19 works of the flesh. He lay those eggs for you in your thoughts or whatever, whatever avenue you choose to use, and you and I either yield to it or reject it. And so he can only lay the egg through your belief system, your thoughts, your imagination, your ideas, and your suggestions that you're dealing with. That's how he comes to us. That's how he worked with it. But none of those have the power to make you comply. If I don't want to watch a dirty book, I don't have to. I can do this. I can put mine away. Or I can just stare at it. I got a choice. All right? So the thought to sin then God said, my word is a discerner of the thought and the intent. When I am faced with struggles in my life, and I'm wrestling with problems that beset me all the time, or baggage I seem to not able to control, then God is examining me privately. Is this boy giving in to the thoughts that come to his mind? Or does he intend to carry it out? That's why if I look upon a woman, it's my wife, I look upon her, she's not my wife, and I look upon her, I can actually rape her without taking her clothes off. In fact, in psychology, you can condemn people on those things. Voyaging, they call it. Men do those things. God says, you already committed adultery already. You have already... In your mind, I've done it without even actually going to bed with that lady. Whether in the, in the magazine or on the film, and these things break up families, destroy homes, destroy marriages. So if you're involved in those things, you plan to break up your marriage because eventually you'll be captive of it. At some point, you go too far and you can't come back. Like Samson. He went so far, he couldn't come back. All right? Intention. Satan laid the eggs of thoughts to sin with ungodly lifestyle, thoughts, belief, and imagination, ideas, and suggestions. And then we got to deal with it with our free will moral agency. Man incubates it, or man just destroys the eggs. So is my intention to act, to yield, to conceive, James says, every man is tempted. Every man, including Jesus. But every man don't yield. Every man is enticed. Don't think it's strange. You're not the first one being enticed. You're not the first one that are being asked to watch that, to do that, to live that, to believe that. <laughs> you're not the original thing you're doing. You're not, neither am I. None of us in this building are original in what you, the position you have. You hope you're right, but you're not the first one. He has slain a whole bunch of people. He has the power of sin because he used this to mess us up. The word deception is 
make you believe Satan lies as if it's true. Satan lied to you and you think it's true. Oh, you can get away with it. You'll never be found out. You always get lying. He's lying. But then you have confidence in a lie as if it's true. That's what deception is. And so, these things transgress the laws of God. Now, in the Bible, there are things called sin of ignorance. Sin of ignorance. Sin that is willful. You know it's wrong. You're told it's wrong. You know the consequence of doing that is going to hurt you. Yet you do it. That's willful sin. And then if I tell you, God said, do not do this. And you presumptuously override authority, disregard what God is telling you, and do it anyhow. That's even worse yet. That's presumptuous sin. Now, willful sin and presumptuous sin and blasphemous sin, there is no remedy that I know of except a fearful waiting looking for the righteous judgment of God. I'm going to judge you. So you don't let your sinful attitude and practice get that far. Because Peter says, better they had not known truth. Then after you've known it, do what you do. If you didn't know, you're, you're ignorant. Most of us, we all, all of us, would come get saved. God first choose to believe that we are ignorant people, and so we sin ignorantly. Like you know, Rahab lied. The boys that went down the road, she lied, and God didn't hold against her. Abraham lied, Jacob lied, all the, they all lied in the Bible. Hello? But when there's become willful sin, presumptuous sin, and blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, you don't want to go there. Okay? Now, look at this here. So Satan laid the egg, works of the flesh. I got to wrestle with it. I got. Spirit of Christ in me, and greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. So if I got a greater power in me, either I'm not yielding to God, but I'm submitting to the devil, and I'm resisting God. Or I'm submitting to God, and I'm resisting the devil. But nobody is innocent. So here we are. Know the difference. Sin of ignorance is one. Now, why would I go back beyond my lifestyle of 72 and start living it over again? Because that first time Jesus said, I died for you. After that, he said, you die for yourself. I'm not going to die. I die once for you. You backslide, you got to fight your way back. I won't do it for you. Nope. I fought for you once. I will not fight for you twice. That's amazing. That's why it's hard 
for a backslider to come back to God. It's not easy. Very few make it back. Very few make it back. Because it's through hell they fight. And the devil won't let them go. Don't forget now, it's not just one devil they're dealing with now. They're dealing with seven more devils plus the one they had before. And Jesus said the last day of that man or woman is worse than the first day. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. So it's worse than the first day. So the first time he defended you, it's like Samson. God defended him, defended him, and God said, okay, you keep doing it. Fine, fine. You're on your own. They capture him. He shook himself. Nothing happened. And they put his eyes out, and he died. God said, I will not defend you anymore. You're on your own. Fine. Defend yourself. <clears throat> All right? So the chicken comes, and then these chickens bother you. <laughs> they bother you. When you sinneth, sin is one time. Sinneth means it's a pattern. You keep practicing it. You keep continuing to it habitually. Now, why would I go pick up a cigarette butt and put it in my mouth to test myself? I know I had problem with it before. Why would I go buy a pack of cigarettes for anybody? Why would I go there? I gotta learn to shun the appearance of evil. I gotta know myself and know I don't have any strength here, and I'm not going there. If I stumble on it, I'll have to deal with it. But if me walking with my eyes wide open, it no. Why would I put myself through that stress and problem? I don't need to go through that. When I went to Nigeria, and they tell me about these people who offer a human sacrifice and want to show it to me, I said, "Don't show me." I'll deal with it when I come across it. But I don't want you to tell me and show me. I don't want to see it. Why did I put myself there to put myself in a fearful situation? I don't want to go there. All right? So, a person who can repeat the pattern. Are you dealing with an addiction in whatever it is? I don't know sure what it is. Hey, I'm not going to name a bunch of sin because they're too many to name. There's a principle here. And even with a pattern that you keep doing this, practice continually is it habitual if you if you have those and you keep doing it then you can say truly I am addicted to sin I'm a habitual liar I'm habitual whatever whatever case is but you can't say the devil let me do it because I'm a free will free moral agent. And I'm not predestined to be lost or to be saved. The choice is mine. So Jesus says, if any man come after me, I ain't going to drag him. I set before you an open door. You walk in. Lay, you lay aside these weights that easily beset you. You choose who you will serve. In other words, not my Make an informed decision. So it's up to you because your reward shall be according to your works, good or bad. Nobody end up in the wrong place with God's economy. You get to just pay both you and me. Now, 
my temptation, your temptation, is through and via enticement. That crave for me was nicotine. It's the thought. The thinker of the thought. Imagination. That luring, that attrition, or attraction rather, that pull to go there, that magnetic pull. You know, when a person's coming down off like a withdrawal, friend, it's a fight. It's not easy. There's a methadone in, in drug scenery to calm them down, bring them slowly. And then they got hook on that too. And there's another, another bondage. So from bondage to enslavement to bondage, and finally suicide. It may not be a natural suicide, but spiritual suicide. All right? So temptation comes through these areas. Enticement, crave, thoughts, imagination. You know, that's why God gave you preachers in the Bible. The preacher's job is to stop you from doing what you're doing. Stop! Don't go! Well, who make you king over me? <laughs> who make you lord over me? I do what I feel like. Get out of my way. Okay, go ahead. God's law is not a person in bondage, but it's the deliverance from evil. Well, I don't have to listen to that. You, you don't have to. You're free. You're free. You're free to pray. You're free to go to church. You're free to stay home. You're free to cuss. You're free to worship. Who the fuck is nobody here? You're on your own. But no, you got to reap what you are sowing. <coughs> A day is coming when you're going to reap all that that you've done. Every idle word you spoke. All right? In fact, by the way, you can't blame nobody. Even association. I can put it on here too. Even so, put it on there. Even association. You know who's talking to you? Who's your counselor? You are a servant to who is instructing you. Don't go to that church as a cult. Well, that's a voice, either of God or of the devil. Which one is it? Oh, you can cut your hair. Doesn't matter. That's the man-made rule. Fine. You can bathe or not bathe. You can have your hair long or short. Who cares? Well, guess what? It's kind of a law. So long as for women. It's hard for men. Well, I don't regard it. You don't have to regard it. You don't have to. But know this for sure. Your sins will find you out. You're gonna, you, you have to have an exit. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess to this book. All right? <clears throat> so the purpose of temptation is to test your credibility. All right, the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. Let him first be proved. Don't be partakers of his sin. Can you imagine sitting in the pulpit? Sitting on the organ, the piano? Sitting in the husband and the wife? Well, you know what they bring? A curse in the house. Curse. That's right. The purpose of temptation is to test you. 
Now, God tempt no man. But the adversary think, I can overthrow them. I told God about Job. I can destroy Job. Job don't mean nothing. Job is a pushover. You touch that and Job will curse you. That's what he says. He told Jesus, all that a man hath, he'll give for his soul. Da, 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 da. And Jesus is not true. You got the wrong guy. All right? The purpose is to test you and me. Our committed we are to prove our commitment to Jesus Christ, to reveal who we really are, we character persons of integrity, you know, can God trust you with whatever money, opportunity, his people, his goods? I don't know whatever. But can, can God, God trust you? Trials. Oh. You're going to curse God and die? Well, Job's wife said it. She got mad. She got tempted. She yelled for it. She says, curse God and die. I'm tired of this nonsense. Job says, lady, you got the wrong. Because your wife don't want it, don't mean you should go to hell with her. Because she don't want God, that don't mean you should be like Adam and go down with her. Adam did sinfully, willfully. But there's some guy said, no. Job said, no, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. I'll go through this alone. You do what you want to. Not Lot. Lot went along with her. Went into Sodom. Amen. All right? Look at this here. Trials. Come to try it, to try my faith in Jesus Christ. If you live for God, you will go through these. If you don't live for God, you'll still go through these. The difference is, now you're resisting it and become more aware of it. We had people come in before, people that hated this church, told converts, look, the problem will stop, just stop going to that church. And the problem will cease. You know what they did? They stopped coming. You know what they are? In the grave. Now, I hope they're right. How many people told you, don't come to that church? Don't go to that church. This church is a cult. Man-made rules. Man, man does it. Doesn't. Well, look. Well, dogs don't make rules. Moose don't make rules. Do they? Do you tell Ottawa... That's a man-made rule. <laughs> Do you tell those street guys out there, that's a man-made rule. I drive where I feel like. What make you think you can do it to God get away with it? What make you think you can run the red light and not go to jail? Man-made rule. Sure, it's man-made rule. Who do you think makes it? A dog? A pig? A man did. Well, a man wrote that book. Well, he expects to write the book. Birds don't write books. When you go to your doctor and give you his opinion, don't forget, he's practicing on you. He's not even working on you. He's practicing on you. Think about it, folks. So we, we all go through this. You know, I didn't know that I was hooked to nicotine until I tried to become a Christian. When you become a Christian, you, you discover how rebellious you are or how law-abiding you are. Because if you can't submit to the teaching of the preacher or the pulpit, then you're just plain iniquitous. You're confirming that you are not yet converted. That's why to get baptized in Jesus' name, a person gets to will, Pastor, I'm going to give you a condition under which I'm going to be baptized. Jesus says, leave him alone. 
that person has not repented. You don't give the judge what condition to give you parole. He's going to tell you. You break the parole rule, you're out. No, I know false prophets out there tell you what you want to hear. Well, God described it in chapter 10 of the book of John. If you wonder what a real preacher is like, read John chapter 10. Please look it up. And the preacher you think is very nice, check him out. See if he's like that. Or read Ezekiel 34, 37. Now, read what it says there. Let me print there, friend. If a doctor make a mistake, they give you an early grave. But if the preacher does, you go to hell. Let the blind lead the blind, and what happens? Come on, folks. They fall in the ditch. Now, look at this. Temptation purpose is to test me, prove me, reveal what I'm made of, my trial, my qualification. Now, I don't have to preach this truth in the city, and you wouldn't even probably even know the difference. I'm going to tell you, ladies, wear pants, cut your hair, put jewelry on, lipstick on, and you probably love it because you know what? Your carnal nature loves it. You probably think I'm the finest preacher since sliced bread. You know what? We're both going to end up in hell. As the priest, so do the people. We're both going to go to hell. Yeah. Temptation does not come to me because I'm pre-programmed. Jesus was not pre-programmed to succeed. He had to overcome. If he did not have to go through what I go through, then he has no business to say to me, Overcome because I overcome. Now we're follow my footprints. Do as I did. Otherwise, it's not right, Jesus, for you to tell me when you use your divinity to help you. I know there's a weak old guy down here. It's not right. Why ask me to do that when you know I got no power? All right? Is there more, Brother Neil? Yes, there is. Wow. <clears throat> you see how I waste my time trying to teach you other stuff here? Waste of time, isn't it? No, it's not. You will never know how right I am till you're dead. It's just too bad. You know, if you die, when you stand before Jesus Christ, they ain't going to know if Pastor Nee was just giving his own ideas or was of God. You'll never know. And so, you know, I really understand your position is very critical. You know, you, you, either you believe or you don't believe. Right? But guess what? You can read. Those people should know Jim Jones is of the devil. When he tossed out Bible and said he's God, they should know he's of the devil. But he stayed. They loved it. He finally made him a brew and they drank the soup and they died like he did. Well, I don't think they're up in heaven like they thought. All right. Temptation. All right. If you resist it, there's a crown for you. And if you yield to it, You'll be paid wages of sin. The difference between you and me and the guy in prison is he yielded and we didn't. The difference between the guy in the bar and me is he yielded and I, I stopped yielding. All of us, born in sin, shaped iniquity. You are not better than the guy in Skidder, nor am I. By the grace of God, we're here. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got nothing to boast in. 
except him. The temptation is to prove my conversion. It's to expose my weaknesses. It's to reveal my strength, my weakness, my opportunity, my threat. You say, Pastor Neil, are you always strong? I doubt it. Are you always weak? I doubt it. I got threats? Many. Opportunities? Few. But they're there. Temptation is revealed what I really am. You start praying, you stop seeking God, and come on the church, boy, oh boy, you're in trouble. Seven days without prayer makes me very weak. All right? So who's controlling my thoughts? Who's controlling my actions, my life? Now, here I am. I'm in Port Mary. My pastor's not here. My mom is not here. My dad's not here. I can do some strange things in my house, and nobody would know it except God. I gotta always remember, he's watching quietly. He's not indifferent to my life, my behavior. Right? I go travel somewhere. My wife is not with me. Well, who, who am I shacking up with? What am I drinking? What am I eating? Where do I go? When I come back here, I go like this. Nothing happens. I said, you hypocrite. I'll catch you down the road. Your sin will catch you and find you out. You see, these are things that keep us from sin. Because one Paul says, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men to believe. Now, look at this here. There are persons and places and practices I just don't want to get involved in. All right? Who control my thoughts? People I hang around, persons, the places, the practice. I believe Samson's situation is to warn us about the devil saying to you and me, slay me or a serpent. Or the man called David. Slay me or serve me. No, if I was still smoking cigarettes, you would not know me. I'd be dead of cancer. Of the lungs or the throat or my liver, whatever. I'll be a dead man in hell crying. But God saw my ignorance. And God said, I will not let him go the way that Satan wanted him to go. I'm going to intercept him and give him an open door to salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship Jesus. Now, you see, brethren, when I tell somebody, I don't need thanks for what I do. Because I feel I'm a debtor to Jesus. I don't feel I can repay Jesus for how he's been so good to me. No, you know, I, so I am self-motivated from within. I know where he brought me from. I know the pit he picked me out of and the horrible situation and where he placed me and let me feel dignified even though he know my past. Treat me like I'm a, you know, royalty. I thought, Jesus, how do you do this? They're spitting on you, they're slapping you, and you're praying their forgiveness. How can you do that? Well, that's what he's here for, to teach us how to be like him. All right? It's God or Satan. God or Satan. Do I submit to God or do I resist Satan? 
I remember when I used to have problems with cigarettes. Just came to the church, and uh, I, I repented my sins. I thought, but I, I found myself smoking. I felt bad. I really felt bad. I internally felt bad. But I did struggle. I tried to quit. I spent a lot of money buying packs and throw packs away and pick them back up. And I go through that old vicious cycle up and down, up, picking up butts and smoking them when the crave came. I couldn't take it anymore. And I feel bad. Oh, I sinned. But, you know, I was so dumb. I told myself, I told the preacher, well, he didn't condemn me. Just pray for me. But I felt bad. I cried. And I thought, well, you know what? I, I can't live this life. It's too much. This is too much. I just don't have it in me to live it. I don't quit. I think God wanted me to learn, boy, you're not in charge. You need help. And my help comes from the Lord. And so I yield to Jesus Christ. And the help come and let me know that I can overcome Thank God today I don't smoke. I don't desire it. It's gone. I didn't use Nicrolet and all those stuff. Now I'm fleeing from it. I flee lust. I don't light cigarettes for anybody. I don't smoke cigarettes with anybody. Amen. I stopped walking the path I used to walk. I guard my eyes, what I see, what I do. Why? Because my response is, here's my solution. God taught me. Cut off the offending hand. Cut it off. Right? Avoid persons and places and things that make me gravitate back to my past. All right? Give no accommodation to the devil or his friends or those who talk like him or look like him or smell like him. Well, you know, you're dressed up to be that long. You look like an old lady. They call my wife old lady. But you know what? She's more blessed than they are. And I like my, my wife old. But she's pretty. No need pain. I was going to hear of. If I want to marry a monk, I'd go and get one. Hello. Come on, church. You don't have to wear your dress long. You don't have to. Anyway, you, church is an option. You can live anyway. you Who cares? You're your own boss. Till you die. Give an account later on. Okay? I don't separate myself from certain things. I cut off certain occasion, you know? And there's some things I don't want to wear, something I don't want to buy, something I don't want to see, because I don't want to be drawn back in my past. I hate my past. You gotta hate it to lose it. You're going to hate where you came from. If you love it, you're going to go back to it. I'm not going to pick up those stimulant dentists throw it in my mouth and put it back in my mouth for two. No. <clears throat> All right. Pluck out that offending eye. Give up that object. Stop making excuses. <clears throat> and basically, just quit your sinning. Now, I can't finish all tonight. So I, part one. Is that right? I wasn't going to drive you crazy with all this tonight. I haven't touched a solution yet. It's, it's just a problem. Repentance is, I'm going to close on this. But I'm not through, folks. I have a whole lot here. Okay, I can hear you, Pastor.
tell me we ain't going to preach this, so I don't have to come to church that day. I got you. I don't want to tell you the day I got to do it. I got to spring it on you. All right. Repentance is, repentance is not. Repentance is not continuing in sin. Right? Repentance is cutting off permanently those bad habits. Cut off the fruit, right? I mean, bring, bring, it's, it's bringing fruits, or, sorry, bring fruit of repentance. You're victorious liver. You, you're changed. You're free from the power of sin. You have liberty from the presence of sin. That's good. Victory from the, the practice of sin and justified from the punishment of sin. I don't know about you, but every day when I go to God, I don't go to God as a as some holy than thou Christian. I say, Lord, have mercy on me. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming me. I don't want to go to hell, Jesus. I pray that way every day. Don't let me be lost. Not to God, oh, good I am. I'm smart I am. No, I say, God, get out of my, get out of my sight. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Hello? No, 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 no. You go confess to God. You know, I said, Lord, I'm depending on you. Please, God, don't let me go. Don't let me do the wrong thing. Let my foot slip. I nice slip. Sometimes we nice slip. We nice slip. Oh, look at Suncor. Uh, this guy used to bug me because I used to hate what God's doing for me on the job. And so he just didn't like me because he loved porn. He loved porn. His table was full of porn in those days. You could put it all over your walls. Nobody say anything about it. And he knew, he knew I'm a preacher and a Christian, so he hate, hate preachers. Some people hate preachers. You know that? They hate preachers. Preachers to them is an abomination. This person's a preacher. Oh, there he goes, money grabber. <laughs> Problem is, I never get rich. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he just despised me. And so one day I was on the dike coming into the truck. And we share a truck. He's in the powerhouse. And so we use a truck sometimes, different trucks. And he wanted the truck, and I have it. He found out I have it. The boy's going to beat me up. He's about to reveal to me that I still got devils in me. You devils never leave. They're subdued. They're in prison. Take the right person, they're rocking those skates, and they come right out. You ever seen them? You ask those wives about them. Ask those husbands. Flying saucers in the house. Oh, Lord, have mercy now. Confession booth is here. Now, ladies, don't do this. But I have some baby mothers in here. When the preacher get hot, they pick up their baby and run to the bathroom. It works. Don't try it. I close the door. I put cameras in there. Sorry. All right. All the men know what to do, so they go like they're sleeping. Deep concentration. They're snoring. But look at this, folks. Repentance, let's stand. Repentance is not habitually repeating that sin. I mean, if I go pick up a cigarette, how many think I'm going to stop me? If I go and tell you, send me a six-pack, how many think the bar is going to say no? The bar will just give it to me, the, the, the booze. If I say, send me some cocaine here. You know, I say, well, you're a Christian? No way. They'll pop it right to me. But I said, I'm not going there. Huh? I'm not going to places where I know I'm, I'm, I'm weak or struggling or hang around things that I, when I'm done, I feel condemned. 
Huh? And the Lord said to me, you know, you know, Christians don't curse. I know I answer verbally, yeah, Christians don't curse. When I come home, the guy want to fight me. What's the first thing happened? My blood came up. Hello? And my Irish got Jamaican mixed in it. And I want to cuss him. I tell you the truth. Cuss word came up to my throat, reached my tonsil. I about to hit the saliva and go, I stopped it, but the thought was there, and the intent was coming out. But God said, "Hold it! Don't do it." I guess I'm the only honest one here, Lord. How many times you blew it? And the pressure, Lord, I blew it. I blew it. God, I know I blew it. Oh, God. And He knows if you're sincere about blowing it, or you willfully did it. He knows the difference. All right, I'm not a dog. I pray this week and say, Lord, I'm a dog, but I'm not going back to my vomit. Now, you don't, you don't pray that way. Oh, I can pray that way. So, Lord, I'm a dog, but I'm not going back to my vomit. A dog is not a bad creature, you know. A dog is very loyal. Nothing wrong with being a dog. In fact, if I could take care of a good dog, I'd probably have one. I would. I've grew up a dog before, and they're, they're loyal. They're friendly. They'll greet you at the door. They'll wag their tail. And they know when they're done wrong, they hang their heads down. Better than some saints. <laughs> and this got to shock you. Search, search history and find out. Pigs are not naturally nasty. I mean, you that. Pigs are not naturally nasty. You can put pigs in your bed. <laughs> well, they're pet pigs. You got a pet pig, not me. Sometimes they end up in the office, but they're usually okay. <laughs> I've seen some. I've seen some. Cute little things. They don't go any bigger than the size they are. They're, they're, they're playing. But it keeps their body cool. The mud is a cooling agent that keeps their body cool. It's not because they're dirty. Hello. So they go in there to feel cool. And last but not least, the same old over and over and over again. Now, folks, Sister Neil, I got in there a booth, a confession booth. All those one confessors since tonight can't come by this door. <laughs> <laughs> no man on earth can forgive your sins except Almighty God. And if you say you've got no sin, you just make a liar out of yourself. Let's worship God right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's part one. Now, sister, keep back in here. Some people saying right now. Then God, if we just sin is death, how come my husband is still alive? Okay, my wife is not dead. Because <laughs> they're ignorant. They're just plain old what? They're ignorant. Don't get mad at them. They're ignorant. They don't get mad at your kisses. They're ignorant. You, you got wisdom. And you know, you say, God, forgive their sins. But boy, it's willfully. No, no, no. They're ignorant. Forgive their trespasses. And Psalms 51 is one of the best scriptures. 
On the one mistake I find in Psalm 51, and that's my personal statement, it's not true. I'm just making this up. David says, Lord, against thee and thee alone have I sinned. That's not true. He sinned against Uriah too. And he sinned against Uriah's wife too. Don't, don't exclude those people. They're, they're impacted by your sin. Let's pray. I want to pray for Thank God I'm not a sinner. I'm a righteous person, but the sinner beside me here. Forgive them, Lord Jesus. Go ahead, pray that way. See if it works. They want your feet when you do that. <laughs> okay, let's pray the sinner's prayer then. I pray to God, Lord, have mercy on me, O oh God. And lay up my sins to my charge. But give me victory over sin and purity within. I want to live for you, God. I want to walk with you, God. Keep my feet from sliding. Oh, God, we come nigh slipping sometimes. But your mercies have kept us. Your goodness and your kindness and your grace visited us, Lord Jesus. We don't want to be that man of sin or the woman of sin. We want to be that sincere saint of God. Born of the water, filled with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I want the worst sinner tonight pray the special prayer, please. No. <laughs> don't do that. Could tell me to pray the special prayer, please. So Jan, pray for us, please. Thank you, Jesus. 